Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 17th of April 2012. For newcomers, I always suggest you use the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com and you'll find lots of audios for free downloads and hopefully you'll start to understand the system you're born into and that often you feel a bit uneasy about, not, not quite sure really what's really going on as opposed to what they tell you is going on. You just know there's something up. So I try to give you uh, documentation of the big players who set a, a system into motion a long time ago and decided to take over the world, planets, and planned society. They created communism. They already had capitalism. These top capitalists did all this, of course. And they decided that wise men, intelligentsia, should rule the world and create an obedient, compliant population. And then they created the United Nations. And the United Nations basically is there to standardize cultures across the entire planet. It's been awfully successful up to this point. So help yourself to the audios. Remember, too, you bring me to you because I don't bring on advertisers as guests. And I don't get paid, of course, for this. And I rely upon the sale of books and uh, discs to get by. So you can help me out by buying them at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, remember, you can use a personal check or an international postal money order from the post office to Canada. And you can also use PayPal and some people just send cash. And across the world, you've got Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal once again. And, it's, and remember, straight donations are really, really, really essential right now, especially. And what I'd try and do is take today's news and to show you why different projects, world projects, are going on and, and go back to the original documentation. You'll you find, uh, for instance, the H.G. Wells was talking about wind farms back in the 19, early 1900s in his sort of uh, modern utopia book that he put out then. And he worked for the big boys, too, as a propagandist. So nothing is new. It's just that it appears new to you. Under the guise of sustainability, of course, they're pushing now. All this has to be done to save Mother Earth, etc. Just like Gorbachev said when he came over to the U.S., to the Presidio, for his, with his green little cross there. And, um, and he said that we must create a new uh, Earth-type religion based on Earth worship, a form of Earth worship. That's what he was talking about when the, when the East and the West came together, as it was supposed to do. The Rees Commission proved that a long time ago, when the Congress set out the commission to look into the, the big charitable philanthropic organizations like the Ford Foundation, Carnegie, Rockefeller, etc., because they were all funding what seemed to be vast, far-left policies, you might say communistic policies, and uh, they, they were told. Norman Dodd was told, and he wrote the, they wrote the book about it too, uh, Foundations Their Power and Influence, and he said that they were shocked when the Ford uh, CEO said to, our job is to blend the Soviet system with that of the West. That was back in the 1950s. But they also had to alter the culture as well. All that worked to keep the people separate, 
in a, in a nation where they all felt happy with each other, with a common basic, at least descendancy from the same religion and the same uh, norms, etc. All that had to be destroyed, including the family unit. And eventually the child, the, the, the child would be looked after by the state. The parent would provide the finances and take care of them to an extent that way. But all indoctrination would come from the state. That's been go- going on for generations now. And that's why you can't get through to people, a lot of people. They are the victims of perfect indoctrination. They think it's all quite natural. Because all their pals in their own generation think so too. You'll know lots of them yourself. I'll be back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix talking about how old this system with this agenda really, really is. And I mentioned yesterday how uh, the, the communist system was taken over really by massive funding. Multi-millions of dollars were poured in to get the Soviets on the go. They paid revolutionaries and thousands of them to, and sent them into Russia. In the West, they decided that it was because of the culture being so strong and the people being not so downtrodden of the, the vast amount of people in the, in the Soviet system, they would use the Fabian technique of intergenerational changes and new normals, new norms, I call them, for every part of it. And, of course, the, the biggest change agent would be the school system, uh, coupled with media and uh, entertainment, which was awfully, awfully successful. But... Um, it goes way, way back. Even Karl Marx talked about this, this uh, world that would be broken up into, into three main trading blocks. Uh, and the trading blocks themselves would have their mini parliaments for each block, like the European Union, and uh, one for the Americas and one for the Far East, the Pacific Rim region. And, um, and that was in the 1800s. And then the boys that went on to the next step did the same kind of thing under the guise of democracy in the West, and uh, set up by the Royal Institute of International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations, and they have drafted up pretty well the charters for amalgamations for all of those three areas, with the United Nations, of course, being at the top uh, as a kind of form of world government right now. Pretty well every law that gets passed, and that doesn't go through parliaments or, or governments, but through local councils, etc., all come from the United Nations, and they have your whole life long, right down to your building codes and uh, standards for for electronics and um, plumbing. Everything is down to the United Nations, including the curriculum that gets put through to your school systems as well. And Charlotte Isabey has been done great documentaries on what's happened and how they use use that to really dumb down the people and uh, get rid of individuality, bring in the collectivist society, and uh, and it's really, really worked very, very well. Now, recently, too, I mean, and not recently, many times I've thought myself, you cannot, uh, you can't simply overcome this, even if you're a minority who gains power of some kind, even a voice, you cannot overcome this without a common philosophy. And you'll notice in the Patriot Movement, there is no common philosophy. Most people in it actually don't want anything to get any worse than it is today because they in turn 
took over a near generation with further conditioning into this system, which becomes degenerate with every generation, more and more degenerate. There's no common religion. There's no common uh, guiding principles that always came from some kind of religion. And um, if you go back into even when Christianity had had different denominations and, and sects and so on, they still got on pretty well because it all came from a common base of understanding. You don't have that today, and that's why the communist boys and girls in the U.S. and elsewhere in Britain decided in the Fabian Society to use a, a slow technique of basically degenerating the society step by step by step, again, through mainly through the educational system. And um, they had many, many big talks about it. You find that Bertrand Russell wrote books about it, Education, The Good Life, and others, and how they would take over uh, indoctrination of all children, standardizing an entire generation, and then they would get, they would get more indoctrination, the next generation, etc. And they said, all oh, you'll need the parents for is to, to pay uh, the expenses and the upkeep of the child. That's the only duty the parent would have. He said the edu- he said that it was so well done back in the 1920s, 30s and 40s, he said, the scientific indoctrination that when the child went home to school to their parents, they wouldn't listen to them at all. And they, they, eventually they'd really become to, to despise the parent as being too old, too old-fashioned, because they're getting nothing but, about, uh, nothing but um, detriment uh, and, and, and talks at school about parenthood. Now you've got all kinds of parents, etc., and that's all part of it too. It's fascinating to watch it and, and understand it and live through it year after year, knowing what's coming up and, um, and how it's being done. But as I say, there's no common philosophy really to oppose this system. And those who think they've woken up haven't really, uh, they, they simply, they have, they, to understand, to, to, to wake up, you have to know the history of the whole darn thing. And you'll know why you're arguing over topics that are thrown at you by the media. Because that's the intention of the media. It doesn't matter what, what, what position you initially take on any topic, this emotive, um, as long as you take an opinion and get arguing about it, you'll be led to the, to the answer, the correct opinion. That's how it works. Like all news, you know, no news is bad news to them. They want you to get involved, you see. And then most folk buckle under and go with the majority's ideas. And that then for, that's, that's really how simple it is to, to control people and put thoughts in their heads, opinions in their heads from the television and elsewhere. And, um, and manage them to the correct opinion, you see. But it's a very old, old idea, and uh, you've got to understand that now, uh, the United Nations, and some of the big players too, um, even the CFR uh, had an article not too long ago, where they said that uh, they're creating a religion, as Gorbachev said too, a religion based on earth worship. But the CFR also talked about creating a kind of religion by using existing remnants of religions and molding them step by step into the kind of green religion of the politi- politically correct, really, for sustainability. And they gave a lot of ideas as how to do it. The same people uh, who are doing this mentioned many, many, many years ago, many times in fact, that the greatest enemy they had at the time when they really started changing societies and altering the views of children to be in conflict with the parents, they said the greatest enemy they had was religion, the existing religions and the family unit. 
It's like a mum and a dad, you know, and a child. And well, that's all been demolished on purpose because that did stand in the way to this great big vast agenda, a world agenda. And the same uh, politically correct updates are, are fed out all the time uh, via um, the United Nations to all the educational authorities to upgrade them to the next part, the next part, and the next part. And it's done worldwide all at the same time. Because to rule the world, you need a common culture. That's why they're getting rid of those guys in the Middle East. You see, they don't have the same culture. Their culture survived for, for an awful long time. Uh, very well, thank you. But it's not good enough. They didn't have a central bank. They had their old family culture and very close family cultures at that. They didn't need uh, welfare for anything. And um, that had to be destroyed. That's part of the reason. The rest, of course, there's always plunder and booty when you go and invade countries, as we've been watching them doing simple invasions one after another under various pretexts. But it's to do with standardization as well of a, a world culture. Not a pleasant world culture, by the way. Those show you. I am so amazed when I look into the United Nations and to the school curriculum as well. They all have the same formats in, the, in their PDFs and web pages as the big corporations. It's like little cartoon drawings and squiggles and things like they're all children. And this is a happy. Th- it's meant to say this is a happy, fun thing. You see. And again, that is put there. That, te- that technique by people who study your behaviour. It's worked in the past, it'll work very well again. Nothing with, a, nothing with a, a funny face can be that bad, you see. But of course it is going to be bad because it's a world where you'll have no personal opinion. Your personal opinion will be the collective opinion. Anything else will be really, really bad news for you. And it's already happening as we live through it. We're also being trained into totalitarianism, step by step by step and to obeyance to authorities like never before. We're way beyond the Stasis even of East Germany, where they had one in four uh, spies in, in, in society. We're way beyond that now. Even they didn't have the technology and equipment to tap everyone's house. They tapped an awful lot of houses, mind you, but not everyone's didn't have it. But we help them too by putting all our data up on the Internet, on a daily basis, there's children who are now young adults who've grown up with this stuff, and now they're really almost weepy-eyed to see what they've put up in the past. There's children. You can't get rid of it once it's up there. Can't do it. Can't scrub it. It's up there for all to see. Now, technically, they've all been warned, but you can't. how would you warn a child about legalisms, etc.? And that's what it is. You accept to use these sites and the, and uh, what you do is give away, give away the right to have any privacy at all. I get lots of folk who email me too from, uh, and use from Facebook. I don't use them. I just cancel them. Because if I go in and use them, Facebook also says that whoever is not associated with Facebook but uses their, their, their system to look for anything, they're also fair game. They're targets. That's, that's a form of consent by using their system. Everyone adapts, don't they? They adapt and adapt and adapt. And even when Facebook has been every major newspaper basically saying, without saying the exact thing, like they, they are part of the NSA and always or started up to be so, for instance. They give you all the clues. 
but people don't mind. That's a really, really dumbed down society. Really dumbed down. What can you do with people like that? If, if anything, they're, they're, they're really a, a danger to you if you're a thinker at all. Same with the characters that can't keep their hands off their iPads and their, their cell phones. Who are taking photographs of everything. As it happens. They can't think, you see. But they're dangerous to other people. We've had so many articles that have gone out about the total awareness uh, network system. That means complete surveillance of everybody's home via your internet and other things attached now with the smart meter. And everyone's got cameras. They show you the room, the visitors that come in, what they say, everything else. You can't help a society like that. It's too far gone. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're back cutting through the matrix, talking about where we are, how we got here, where it's going. That's basically that's what it's all about. As I say, without a common philosophy, you can't really get people collectively to do anything. And the, the things that used to bind people together have all been destroyed, like tactics in a war, because it is a war, you understand. The ones at the top who planned this in the late 1880s at least emerged with it, and, and really brought it forth in the early 20th century, um, are, are, they don't plan to just give it all up because a few, a few people complain. It doesn't happen that way. They put everything into it. They've caused wars, these people, physical wars as well, to get what they wanted and where they wanted to be. So you have to really ponder that and start reconsidering all those things you've been taught to hate or being old-fashioned, etc., because you see, it's not in your interest at all to go along with it in the long run. Not in the least. And as I say, indoctrination is so perfect today. What's taught at school will be shown in some movie or another or similar situations. Situational ethics, they call it, and moral relativity. And that simply reinforces your initial indoctrination. It's a scientific dictatorship you're running under and living under. Now, the country that was really behind it, at least where it really started big time, it's not really that country, it's the city of London. That's where the big wigs live because they were the biggest and richest people on the planet who ran the international banking system, still are. And these are the ones in New York and elsewhere that financed uh, the whole communist era and the Bolshevik revolution by sending armies of trained mercenaries in, highly paid too, to do it. It wasn't a revolt of the people, believe you me. And um, remember, Lenin said the same thing. He says, well, maybe last the dictatorship might only last a generation, about 70 years, and then it'll merge with the West as something not quite communist, not quite capitalist. Well, this is it, folks. This is It's a planned society, from cradle to grave, basically, where individuality will really be frowned upon and, um, and, and not tolerated in the end at all, unless you go along with all the scientific priests and parrot whatever they say on global warming or whatever else, whatever else happens to be. So you need a common philosophy. I say most people really just don't want it to get any worse than it is today. Just like 10 years ago, they didn't want it to get any worse than it was 10 years ago. Look where it's come since then. And before that, and before that, and before that. That's really where people get to. 
I can tolerate this, don't get any worse. At one time, you could travel anywhere in the U.S., even coast to coast. Hitchhikers used to go across the country uh, every year in the 60s and 70s, up, up into the early 80s, without any problems at all. And your problems now are not getting mugged or raped by somebody. It's Homeland Security agencies. Everyone is suspect. And you're going to live with this forever as it gets worse and worse and worse forever. Now, as I say, this, this really began in London openly with the Royal Institute of International Affairs. They did a lot of fancy footwork too to get the Bolshevik system up and going along with New York and the Council of Foreign Relations and the Rockefellers. They all put person, their own personal money into it. And mind you, it was all on loan, so they got it back many, many times over. But we're back to England again. It says, Lord Heselton said that Europe countries would cling on to the euro currency. This currency idea that's helped the agenda so much because it further, they used it to further integrate Europe as one solid block, basically. Like the Soviet blocks, the column blocks. Well, here's the new Soviet. Uh, Gorbachev called it that years ago, the new Soviet. And he's a complete world socialist. So, they're clinging on to this money that, that, that literally is a black hole where the, everybody has to bail out everybody else now forever and ever and ever, you see. But so he's trying to say, Lord Heseltown says that European countries would cling on to the euro regardless. You understand the importance of this mission that they have? This is only one part of it, one small part of it. But he's the last European politician and uh, or the pro-European politician recently appointed as a government, a government advisor so you appoint, as a government advisor, uh, a pro-European politician, right? So, so why, why do you bother voting in your own, what you think are national governments, when they bring in European advisors? He said the Eurozone faced a crisis. He said it was a very Eurosceptic view to see the Euro as a failed project. Well, in any rational business venture, if that, even if it had been, uh, and uh, you ended up selling your shirt and loaning everything else off, it would definitely be a failed project, but this is a mission. It's a must-be, you see. As you thought the UK would adopt the single currency, he said, if it survives, and my guess is it will survive, uh, my guess is in the future, it won't be this week or next week or next year. We'll do so because the whole process of Europeanization we have resisted up until now, and we have failed at every turn. Overwhelming, overwhelming forces used, psychological, monetary, everything else. You can't just, you can't, see, you cannot use their system to beat them. Totalitarianism means you cannot use their system to beat them. So even when the British were all really against it, and there's parades in the street and all the rest of it, uh, because you think you just get petitioned them and they're supposed to listen to you, well, I've never seen them listen to the public. Haven't seen it happen. And then he says, if you look at the history of it, we were asked to lead it and we refused at the beginning. That's what he's talking about. But they didn't refuse it. They helped finance it along with France. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix Talking about the system as it is and how it's been And where it's going But we noticed, as I say, that uh, It was the same thing with people who were asked to vote to join the Euro And everybody said no And they come back again at you or try again Or no, or more propaganda Lots of ads on television Scary stories if you don't join it And they kept at this until you get it right, you see That's how they do it Same with the internet as well When we know we're being spied on And they give themselves carte blanche to do what they want On spying nowadays And um, we had different bills come through That were turned down And here's an article 800 plus major These are the biggest corporations And US Chamber of Commerce support internet freedom crushing It's CISPA or C-I-S-P-A as it's called And it says... um, that uh, basically the, it doesn't matter uh, even federal judges have, have uh, passed laws about or passed their verdicts about something and they overturn that and disregard it. So what do you do when you've got a, a system like this that you're under? You understand how important it is for them to have total control over and, and, and recording over everything you say, email, tweets, whatever it is, and, um, and it's not going to change. They're going to get more and more until they want They want to be in your room 24 hours a day. They want to be with you 24 hours a day. That's what total observation is. But um, it's quite interesting to see all the corporations that are involved. And I'll put this link up tonight for those who want to follow it up. Because all the biggies are there. And um, they're not turning back. They never turn back. If you say no once, they just come back again and again and again. And... Who owns the television networks? Interesting article here. And it says the two articles is from truthoffering.com that gather most attention. Both ask the same question. And it says that um, what they did was the Eustace Mullins had put up an article a while back on uh, who owns all the media, the actual names of the people, etc. And so they rerun that here to let you know. And it says... Um, Having just come across the article, Who Owns the TV Networks by Eustace Mullins, we felt it necessary to repost it in its entirety. The article is clearly dated, and many of these players have died, but rest assured they've simply been replaced by more of the same. It isn't just who they are, it's who they're also associated with. Although many people dare are aware that television and mainstream media present a very carefully propagandized picture of world events, we doubt many truly grasp the depth of this perversion of reality. So then they go, they go into it, and this is, um, this is additionally, as we in the original author is not the truth is reason.net, we're taken aback by a couple of Mullins' assertions. First, that Peter G. Peterson was former head of the Jacob Schiff Rothschild owned Kuhn Loban Company, as well as director at NBC. Second, that the John Birch Society, the, the claim was strategically, strategically created by Nelson Rockefeller because they needed a right-wing anti-communist organization. Remember that they, that they need opposing groups for everything. Anyway, it says um, the John Birch Society and Peter G. Peterson Foundation are both considered organizations for the promotion of American freedom. Are their motives contrary to what they outwardly represent? And Hayden, this guy, comments on it. He says, I absolutely agree with Mullen's assertion. He says, the Birch Society is a total op that's taken on a life of its own. It's truly sad, much like the Tea Parties and Weekend Libertarians are becoming. Also check the bottom of the article for one of his own original stories regarding the ownership of the television networks. It covers a broader group. And how deep does it go? 
Well, it says, he, it's got all the names on it. John Bradamas, president of New York University, chairman of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, which dominates the other Federal Reserve banks by its control of the money market, and director of the Rockefeller Foundation. This is one of them. Bradamas has received the George Peabody Award. George Peabody established at the Peabody Educational Fund, which later became the Rockefeller Foundation, and he was named Humanist of the Year. Now, humanism is the, one of the, the parts of the sustainability religion that they have. Secular humanism goes along with it. That was in 1978. Cecily B. Selby, born in London, England, National Director of the Girl Scouts, Director of Avon Products and Lomans address firm. She married to James Coles, president of Bo Druin College since 1952. Peter J. Peterson, former head of Kunlob Company and ex-secretary of commerce. Robert Kizik, chairman of Cooper Industries, who had sales of $1.5 billion since a few years back, and director of RCA and the First City Bank Corps. First City was identified within congressional testimony as one of the three Rothschild banks in the United States. Thomas O. Payne, president of Northrop Company, a large defense contractor. Payne is director of the Influential Institute of Strategic Studies in London, director of the Institute of Metals, London, uh, and American Ordnance uh, Association, and many other professional munitions associations. Donald Smiley, chairman R.H. Macy Co., since 1945, also director of Metropolitan Life and U.S. Steel, known as Morgan Control Firms, and director of Ralston Purina Company and Irving Trust. And it goes on and on, this, this list of people who own media, and they're all associated with the banking and top positions in that too. So as we find that NBC has many Rothschild, J.P. Morgan connections amongst its directors who include the chairman of the key term money control, the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, and other directors associated with such Rothschild operations as the Cunlobe Company for City Bank Corps and the Institute of Strategic Studies in London that advises the military. <laughs> and then ABC. It goes into all the ones from ABC as well. Roy Adam, Director of Metropolitan Life, City Service, Morgan Guarantee Trust, and Chairman of the $2 billion NL Industries, a petroleum field service concern. And Frank Carey, Chairman of IBM, Director of Merck, J.P. Morgan Company, Morgan Guarantee Trust, and Merck Drugs. It's just astonishing. And you think they got a free media. Do you understand? These characters form uh, not just your monetary uh, organization, big, big, big business, and political organization, but they also uh, control your military organization and your cultural organization, because you have a culture industry to make sure you get the right culture for the right kind of dope heads they want us all to be. So there's many J.P. Morgan and Rothschild associates amongst the directors of ABC, which was recently published by Capital Cities Communications Company, whose chairman is Thomas S. Murphy, He's the director of Texaco, who's most prominent director of Robert Rusa, senior partner of Brown Brothers, Harriman, a firm with close ties to the Bank of England. Rusa headed the Rusa Brain Trust at the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, which produced Paul Volcker. Rusa and David Rockefeller were credited with selecting Volcker to be chairman of the Federal Reserve Board, and John McKinley, a chairman of Texaco, as director of Manufacturers Hanover Bank and Manufacturers Hanover Trust, identified as Rothschild-controlled in congressional testimony. <laughs> so, it goes on to many, many more people, Chase Manhattan Bank, etc., all the characters in that, and how they're all interrelated, all interrelated, and that's what runs your country. These are the guys who go off when Obama goes off in the big jumbos to take trade across the world, 
are the same in Britain's case, same kind of thing. They actually do this. It's jumbo trains, they call them, one after another, with lots of these top executives, and they represent Britain or the U.S. or wherever. And uh, what have they got in common with you? They have their own interests, their own clubs they belong to. They're all members of the CFR and Trilateral Commissions. But this is a long article, and it's up to you to ponder through it for yourselves, see what you think, try and remember it, and, and then start talking about democracy again, or even republicanism. When these guys go abroad, you understand, they claim that they are America. And from their point of view, they are. They run it. Right down to what you're thinking, because they, they own the media. Now, that the London Metal Exchange has been on the go for an awful long time. And it says that even for such venerable venues as the London Metals Exchange, with its 130-year history and its annual turnover of over $11 trillion in metal conducts, contracts, which also makes it the largest market of Northern Ferris Metals, as the English FT reminisces, when the London uh, Metal Exchange was established in 1877, Britain was one of the world's most important manufacturing powerhouses. And the LME's benchmark contracts for delivery in three months were designed to mirror the length of time needed to reach British ports for shipment of copper from Chile and tin from Malaysia. And it goes through a bit of its history. And it says here uh, that um, they're going to drop the British pound, sterling, and they're not going to use the euro either. They're going to, I think, use one of the Chinese equivalents to it. And, um, and metal standards, that is. And um, we'll see how that goes. But it's quite an interesting article. It shows you how the world truly is turning because this was planned an awful long time ago. An awful long time ago. By the guys who own it all, they don't lose anything. They've got their own relatives in China too, remember. And uh, they pretty well run China as well as they run Britain, the US and all of Europe. And Australia as well, as we can see. So much is going on in Australia. So anyway... It says, the army is asking its members as part of a survey to help the exchange design its planned new clearinghouse, whether they would like the Renminbi, it's called Renminbi, uh, to be added to the roster of currencies on offer for settling and clearing and sterling drop, that's pound sterling. The LME plans to maintain its benchmark denominated in US dollars. We're always looking at new ways to help the market, the exchange said. And um, I'll be a token thing with the dollars until they change that too, of course. But it says the use of the UK currency to settle the unclear LME contracts has dwindled to negligible levels in recent years. That's because they're paying it all out to the euro to bail out other countries. And it says, um, I haven't traded a contract in sterling for five years, said the head of one large LME brokerage. Why China? Because for better or worse, it's become the marginal buyer. I've got to the Council on Foreign Relations annual meetings with the Royal Institute of International Affairs from the 1930s, where they said they'd build up China to be the manufacturer of the world. And you think it's just happening in your lifetime? Do you really? Remember, the system, too, is totally Soviet. And that's why in Britain they've got their communitarian, or communitarianism on the go, so-called decentralization from the central government, which is nonsense, really. Uh, they just put it all down to a place um, near you. But these people who take over in your system... Um, are, are often non-elected and won't be elected. They're just simply appointed over you for new, your new community area. 
And what they do is set up a region as well, and they include all those regions and all those little councils under one region until you have one council. In other words, it's no point going to complain to anybody. It's too far away to complain to. Same idea as a central government was as well. And same idea as the European Parliament is. Who's going to, who's got time to just tripsy over the channel and go over into Belgium to complain? Not that you would get a chance to get even get in the door. But it's it's to put in your own head how far and remote governance is until you accept you're simply being ruled by experts. That's the whole idea. And part of it too, again, was to, to have, get the children to have as little time with the parents as possible, as I've mentioned before. Uh, that's what Bertrand Russell said in his book, Education and the Good Life. But it says, truancy cracked down to include children are aged four. See how they're going down with the rights of the child until the parents have no rights at all. And schools have literally police powers now over the child and the parents. So governments, they publish absentee figures for reception year, for your for reception year, right? Well, behavior advisor highlights children who fail to attend nursery. This is the first step, getting used to it, not, not finding you a lot of cash if your child is late too many times or doesn't turn up. And then they'll make it law, like they do everything else. That's how they get you familiarized with things. Truancy crackdown to include children aged four. And it says, um, and it's last latest truancy crackdown. The government is to publish attendance figures for reception year, which covers children aged four to five, and um, those as young as four who miss nursery or the reception year of school will be the focus of a new crackdown on truancy. Now we know that they already find parents for for older children who don't turn up at school. So even though education is not compulsory until the age of five, the government has announced. So it doesn't matter about their own laws or anything else. They just, uh, well, let's just make a new law. So figures on attendance and reception when children aged four or five will be published by the Department of Education. So schools can judge the performance on pupil absence. So schools will send out their representatives to the parents and so on and say, well, why was your, why was your child late or why didn't your child turn up today, etc.? These, remember, educational systems, police and everything else, began as services. You could take them or leave them. But Lenin said that all these services will eventually be authorities. And that's what they call them now, school authorities. That's just coincidence too, though, right? In a report largely said by ministers, the government experts advisor on behavior, so this behavior specialist, you see, Charlie Taylor, also calls for schools to offer support to parents who are failing to get their children into nursery. Maybe you need a bit of amphetamine to get up in the morning or, or, or to get on your feet or something. I'm sure they'll find different ways to diagnose the parents too. I'm not kidding. And a judge will sanction that too. Yeah, put them on so-and-so. Taylor does not call for a statutory school age to be lowered and there will be no legal sanction for absence from school below the age of five. So that's, in other words, you won't get fined for it, but this is the start of it. Eventually, I'll go for about a year, then they'll make it law, like everything else. However, the launch of this, his report on truancy drew attention to one possible sanction. I was in a school in Battersea the other day where, very harshly, they actually shut the door on parents if they bring their children in late. They say you can't come into nursery late. Sounds very harsh, but that school has 97% attendance. We're above the national average. There's a job to be done. And in terms of educating parents, educating parents, lifelong education, that was part of the planks, the two that they talked about in the Soviet system. Lifelong education, altering behavior, behavior modification. 
educating parents, teaching teaching them that school is important and this is where you need to be. It's important to have the right indoctrination. That is true. Because without the, the initial indoctrination, as Jack C. Elul and others have said, uh, the, the rest of your propaganda you'll meet later in life will not take the same way. You need the initial propaganda to crack all your resistance to the indoctrination. So this is this is a new the new order of things from these so-called services that are now authorities that your cash goes to to pay them an awful lot of cash for teachers who know darn well that they're nothing but change agents. That's what, that's what they're described as. That's what the official manual for teachers in the U.S. was called for change agents to change the behavior this behavior modification of children, change them from the system they had of freedom into. Basically, socialism or communism. And the U.S. now is going after owning the sea as well. Now, in one of the articles I mentioned from the United Nations years ago, it could be in the archives of CuttingThroughTheMidrace.com, I mentioned that part of the plan for Agenda 21 and onwards was to get the houses away from the the, the oceans, basically the edges of the sea, they wanted them all cleared out down the roads. And this article, years later, is talking about it. Zoning the ocean, it says President Barack Obama has ambitious plans for Washington bureaucrats to take command of the oceans and with it control over much of the nation's energy, fisheries, even recreation, in a move described by lawmakers as the ultimate power grab to zone the seas and the shores, though, and inland as well. Back with more after this. Hi folks, and just before I go to a caller, just talking about this new zoning for the ocean and inland as well, also shorelines is along with that too, they actually talk about shoreline sprawl, like urban sprawl, so they want to start cleaning up uh, the edges, you might say, and getting folk off their, their homes near the sea. That's very obvious from what I'm reading here. Now we'll go to Mark from Texas. Are you there, Mark? When I am. I sure am. Yep. I'm getting really... Can, not confused, just a little bit upset about the, the term socialism and fascism, mm-hmm. as if it's a bad thing. Yep. Let me yep. tell you why it's bad. Under socialism, the government tries to convince you that it, it's in your best interest, and at the same time they steal from you mm-hmm. until there's nothing left. Yep. Look at our IRAs. Look at our Social Security. Mm-hmm. The next, The next progression... It's it's a progression, Alan. Yeah, I know. It goes straight to fascism. Guess where they steal from next? Mm-hmm. The businesses. That's yeah. why they opened up it to international businesses. Sure. Is to expo to to expand their well, stealing capabilities. Absolutely. Absolutely, there's no doubt about it. They're just like they did from us. Mm-hmm. You got to understand it's, too. It's called the continuity of government, right? Continuity. Yep. But what they also do is, is and I've said this for years, they, they need the taxpayer, you see, for all their big projects, the, their huge big projects. But now they need your, the same taxpayers for world projects, building things across the whole planet, you know. So it isn't just your own country's big projects, you're, you're building them in, in China, 
Uh, you're building hospitals still in China. Canada's building their big um, dams for them, for their hydroelectric systems. Oh, thanks to the Canadian taxpayer as well. So, I mean, it's, it's the same private corporations, mind you. They're all over the planet. But, uh, They're um, going to get sucked dry too. Yeah, of course. Of course, absolutely. This is the whole plan. So it's it's, it's governmentism. Yeah, and that's what I said before. All the money you, you, you had in your pocket at the end of the month for for free free change or spending on whatever you wanted to buy, and now will be reduced to fees and and, uh, and and taxes for special things to pay for the world plan. You see, and you come down into to sustainability, as you want to call it which is basically poverty. Your, your, your government will decide what you need personally. There are probably people going around uh, doing surveys on, and, and like a, a means test, like Lennon said, and they'll decide how much you actually need to live on at your particular status and station in life. I'm not kidding about this. This is where it's all supposed to go. When you read the reports from the United Nations on sustainability, it's literally to do with bringing the standards of the world, especially the first world countries, way down, way down. And, and in the meantime, you're paying for other countries to come up a little bit at the same time. It's an old story, am I my brother's keeper, you see, going back to the Garden of Eden. Same old battle going on yet. And these guys have decided, yes, you are. They're not themselves. They'll, they'll be tax-exempt at the top. But um, they're the ones that are pushing it for all the rest of us. And, and it's true. Social- everyone thinks, well, if we're in favor with the government, mm-hmm. we're going to be okay. I know. <laughs> the individual is being screwed. The businesses are being screwed. Yeah. The whole thing is a joke on us. Mm-hmm. And it has to keep expanding. That's yes. when it's going to come to a halt once they have no place else to go. Nowhere else to go. And uh, and then you end up bailing out other countries. You already are bailing out Europe too, you know, the U.S. As you lose your own homes inside the U.S. I mean, no, this is madness, but it's planned madness. And maybe the only time something will happen is when everyone's out in the street because they've no homes left to, to own themselves. Yeah, and they can't afford the rents. Yep. That's right. Thanks for calling. But from Hamish, myself, from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. May your God of your gods go with you. <laughs>